You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Today I want to discuss a topic that might be a little bit abstract at the beginning perhaps, but it's very, very important, and that is the topic of how motherhood is a holy office, it's a sacred office. This has been greatly lost. It's a, you're going to be, by the way I should say, you're going to hear me repeat myself over and over and over again, especially if I have to give one talk every month, you'll have to hear the same things basically. But something that I always say... I always tell the story of how I remember when I was younger, and for us, the concept of a mother was sacred. You would not joke about a mother. And this was vividly uh, impressed upon us. Uh, I remember one time, this is in middle, middle school, we are like 14, 13 years old, and some guy, you obviously always have people making jokes and saying bad words and all those things, right? I was in public school. But this one guy said something about another guy's mother. And this was a very, you know, a very manly young boy. You know, he was a very, uh, he was very principled, you could say. Not that this is an example to follow, but as soon as he heard something about his mother, he went and he grabbed the guy by the shirt and put him against the wall and said, you do not talk about my mother. You do not talk about my mother. Because the concept for us is sacred. You know, the concept of a mother should be sacred. How does society see it today? If you, we live in a pagan society, that's often said, but it should be understood literally. We do live in a pagan society, in many, many people at least. And for many people today, the concept of motherhood is basically a natural concept. You know, is yes, you get to have a son or a a child, a daughter, with someone you love, perhaps. And the highest thing that they see in it is the fact that this person is a combination, you could say, you know, a new life that was made out of me and you. And that's about it. If you consider motherhood, even in that aspect, just in the natural aspect, you see that there is a sacred nature in there already. As I was saying in the sermon a couple of weeks ago, just the fact that in the mother's body, life is created is something that is entirely divine. You know, that's God's creation. No one can create life but God. Try as hard as we may. We make all these labs and we do all these things and we cannot make life. We cannot. We have to have the spark from God. And once God gives us the spark, yes, we can do it. We can you know, modify it or change it, but not before he gives that spark. The creation of life is a prerogative that only God has, not even the angels. And that's something that happens through the participation of the mother and in the mother. And so that alone, just that natural aspect is enough to make the whole concept something sacred. Now, we are going to go, obviously, into the supernatural aspect of it. And first I want to say, 
a few words. What do we mean when we say office and what do we mean when we say sacred? Because I say it's a sacred office. What does that mean? Sacred means that it's something that is separated for God. It's something that is aimed at God, made by God, and it has intrinsically religious motives. That's something that's sacred, right? Like the office of the priesthood is sacred. The uh, consecration of religious sisters is something sacred. So I'm saying motherhood is not only comparable to that, it's on the same line. And when we say office, obviously we mean a series of obligations, of duties, and of rights. And here I'll make a brief parenthesis. Our rights are given so that we can do our duties. Our society today thinks otherwise. We think, oh, my, my, my duties are so that I get rights. Uh, no, actually, your rights are so that, so that you get your duties, so that you can do your duties. And our duties, and I don't want to go into a long digression, but our duties are something good for us. It's something that is, is a privilege for us to be able to do something for God and for other people. But so when we say a sacred office, I mean to say that all of the duties, and notice that I say all, all of the duties, all of the obligations, all of the rights that a mother has, are oriented to religion, are consecrated to God. They have a strictly a religious motive. <clears throat> now, what makes the office of motherhood sacred? We know, you all know, that when you're... We were talking about the secular mother, you know, a mother in the natural plane. But if we talk of mother in a supernatural plane, in the plane of a Christian mother, a Catholic mother, then the, the duty and the office becomes a lot higher. Because now your duty and your obligation is not just to bring life forth, which is something that you know a natural mother could do, but your duty as a Christian mother, as a Catholic mother, as you will know, is that this life has to come all the way up to heaven, and that is entrusted to you. I am amazed, this is another thing that you'll hear me repeat over and over again, I am amazed at how much did God put children into the hands of the mother and the father. It's something unbelievable if you think about it, because these, are children, these children are God's children, and he gives them to the parents to such an extent that if they wreck them, he will let them. And that is mind-boggling to me. That God will say to someone, here, here it is, this soul that I created, that I redeemed. I put it in your hands, him or her in your hands, and you're free to do with this soul what you want. If you wreck it, I will not put my hands. And that is something that just surpasses my mind. And you see this in baptism. Because God, to such an extent, gives the children to the parents, and they are so much the property of the parents that the parents have the right to say, I want to baptize this child. I say that he should be baptized. And he has no saying in it, until he, not even when he grows older. The parent owns the child to say that because the child has been given to God. Excuse me, the child has been given to the parents by God. 
So as a Christian mother, you are entrusted with that child to bring them to heaven. This has a positive and a negative side to it. The negative side is obviously that you have to get them away from sin. You have to get them away from occasions of sin. You have to get them away from bad friends. All of those things, right? What you have to avoid with them. The positive side is that you have to take that child and teach them the virtues, teach them to love God, and not only make sure that they don't sin, but make sure that all the things that God is putting in them is fostered, are fostered. It's like God is giving us this garden, and he's not just telling us, don't kill it. He's telling us, make it grow. And this is something that, again, we don't hear very often as a mother or as a father. You don't hear very often that we do have a, a, a duty to make them get more perfect. I'll give you an example of this that is uh, noticeable. Sometimes people get thrown off when one, as a priest, pushes them to perfection. You know, people come to confession, perhaps someone might come to confession, and they expect the priest to just give them the forgiveness of their sins. And if one, as a priest, says, well, you should do this, you should do that, you should add this or that to your life, sometimes they get thrown off. It's like, that's not what I came here for. But that is the duty of the priest. If the priest is seeing that this soul is disposed to better things, he needs to bring her or her or him forward. And the same thing happens with a parent. If I see that my child has very good dispositions, I shouldn't be like, okay, I don't have troubles. I don't have to worry about him or her. No, it's okay. Now I have to get them even higher. I have to bring them to higher perfection, to higher virtue, without driving them crazy, obviously. But you know what I mean. I think you know what I mean. Any questions so far? No? Okay. <clears throat> the duty that God has given us to bring this child to heaven, to make this child love God, has, when we understand this, there are three implications that are very important. The first one is that my duty as a mother is not mainly towards my child or towards my husband, it's firstly towards God. That is a huge thing. And I, you know, I can relate to these things, I've experienced them myself. Sometimes you think, well, I'm failing to the child or I'm failing to my husband or to myself, and we should understand I'm failing to God. When my child is, is not doing right because of my mistake or my, you know, uh, omissions, it's to God. It, the job was given to me by God. So my duty is first to him. Now, there is that, you know, you could say worrying side of it. But there is also a beautiful side of this. And it is that everything that I do, I'm doing it for love of God. Everything that I do... God is taking it as a service to him. And we'll go into that later because that's a very beautiful aspect. The other aspect that is uh, important to understand is that this office, because my office is to bring them to heaven, that means that it lasts for a lifetime. This is another huge thing that here in America is often goes over our heads. No offense to America. It happens in Mexico, too. But, uh, 
when I was growing up, the idea was you stay at home until you get married or you sort out your vocation somehow. Like there has to be a serious reason for you to get out of home. I'm not going to get into that discussion right now, but the point that I'm trying to make is we have the concept that as a child, my parents are my parents until I turn 18, and then they're just you know older people that I have to visit every now and then. And they don't say it like that, but I'm sure in many, many minds that's what it is. And no, that's not the case. Uh, my parents are my parents till death. And that means that I honor them till death. And it also means that they are allowed to give me advice till death. There is a big distinction here. This is going to be a very long talk. Maybe not, but there, there is a distinction that I should make. When one marries, then your decisions are in your family. You know, because God said he will leave his, his uh, father and mother and he will be one with his wife. So when you marry, yes, you as a parent, you don't have the right to go and punish them anymore. You know, you can't go over to the house of your daughter-in-law and be like, I'm going to give you a spanking right now. This is not right. <laughs> can't do that. If you do it, don't tell them I said so. Uh, you can't punish anymore. You can't force them anymore. But certainly you can and should advise and correct. Even if they're married, you can say and you should say, this is right, this is wrong. And this I accept, and this I don't accept. The off, we'll talk about that later. But So the point to be made right now is this, that it lasts for a whole lifetime. And this goes also into what I'll mention also, into the fact that we can pray for them. When our children are older, I still have the duty to give them birth to heaven. And for that, I pray. But again, I'll go into that in a moment. The third point, and this is the one that I, I said I was going to go into, is that it is, as I was saying, because you're doing it for God, it means that it is an office that carries with it a supernatural reward. That means that every single, ma every single act of your motherhood, every single thing that you do for that office is pleasing to God in the level of grace. It means that every time that you go and mop the floor, that act is giving you a higher place in heaven. Every time that you go and switch diapers, that particularly, <laughs> is giving you a higher place in heaven. I'll tell you a story. When I was growing up, I was uh, probably 19, 20, when all my siblings got married. All of them got married in one year. So there was no babysitter but myself. And, you know, a guy, 19, 20 years old, I got to change diapers, all that stuff. I got the whole thing with the diaper when, you know, you get hit in the face. Let's not go into details. <laughs> but I still remember that vividly. Uh, so every single one of those acts is something that is bringing you to heaven. I, wanna, I, wa I really want to go into this one and emphasize it. As a mother, you might say, I need one of these. This is one of those things that you're supposed to cut in the video. <laughs> Thank you. As a mother, you might say at one point, oh, you know, the priest, look at the priest. <coughs> Everything that he does 
is for the salvation of souls. What a great prize he will get in heaven. Because, you know, he's working all the time in making sermons, driving to save souls, giving the sacraments to people. Everything that he does is for God. And so I can't imagine when he dies, what a great reward he's going to have in heaven. You might say as a mother, hmm. and me, here I am, you know, I just clean the dishes, I take care of the clothing, I bring the children to school, to the, uh, to the football game, all this stuff, and I only get to pray like 15 minutes a day. So, man, my place in heaven is not going to be as good. That's totally not the case. You're, it's the same level. Because we're saying it's a sacred office, both of them. And just like the office of the priest is to bring souls to heaven, in a higher sense, maybe, because he does, you know, do some more serious and great things, but your office as a mother is also a sacred office. And every single act that you do is aimed at that, at bringing the children to heaven. If you go and take them to the soccer game, it's not because you care anything about the soccer. Maybe you do if you're Mexican. But it's... <laughs> is because you want to bring them to heaven, and that's necessary. If you go and change their diapers, it's not because you care anything about the diapers, but because you're doing all this stuff to bring them to heaven. Now, I'll make a qualification there. It depends, obviously, on the level of, of grace and love that you have. But to kind of explain myself better, a priest could be preparing a sermon, and he might have selfish motives to do it. Maybe he, I, I'm hoping, I know that most priests don't, but let's say that there is a priest maybe that has selfish motives. Maybe he is just doing it out of self-love, whatever else. And you as a mother, you're changing diapers, and you're doing that with the intention of loving God and of bringing those souls to heaven. The merit of the act depends on the love that you have. And so what I'm trying to say here is that you should consider each one of those offices, each one of those things that you do, as meritorious in the eyes of God, according to your vocation, as meritorious are the acts of a priest, according to his vocation. And that's a beautiful thing to think of. That's why the confraternity has an indulgence. When you join the confraternity, there is an indulgence for every act of motherhood that you do. Because they're all good acts. Even spanking the children. Yes. So the question, the question for the recording, uh, the question is, if one didn't belong to the confraternity before, if I can offer now the acts of my past and gain all the same merits uh, now if I offer them when they were done in the past. I think uh, there is a lot of distinctions to be made there. I wouldn't say that you would get the same merit that if you had offered them before. But you can certainly offer them now as an intention. You would get the merit that you would get from the intention that you have now. The indulgences one would not get because the indulgences, in order to gain them, one has to perform the act with the intention of gaining the indulgence. So the indulgence is definitely not. I would say that the merit of it, you can't really go back and gain that merit but what we can do is supply for that with the fervor of our intention now. 
So let's say, for example, that I, I made all this work for my life, you know, for 40 years, and it's like, well, I, I never thought of offering it up. Well, right now, if I say to God sincerely from my heart, my Lord, I love you so much. If I had to do it again, I would do it again, all of it. I would offer everything again for you if I, if, if I had to because I love you so much. You can have so much fervor and love in your heart right now as to supply for all that stuff. You know what I mean? The Holy Ghost can give us that. Uh, I'll give an example for this. There is a story that I really like in the Desert Fathers. There was this woman who was a sinner, you know, a public woman, and she, one of the monks from the desert went to her and converted her. He went and talked to her, and he converted her. You can imagine how this would look like in, in our days. Um, he brought her to the caves in the desert, and back then the monks would leave each one on a cave, and the caves were very far apart from each other, you know, like, like one mile or something apart. So he brought her to the cave and locked her in there and said, here you do penance like all the other monks. And he went to his cave. This woman went to heaven in four days. She prayed, she did penance, she cried, and then four days later, or five days later, I can't remember, he saw a vision of her going to heaven. And he realized that for the pain and sorrow and love that she had for, for those four days, she made up for everything, and she even went further ahead than some of the monks who were still doing their penance. So that goes to show that in, in the time that we have left, we can supply for all those things that, that we have behind. I do want to say one last thing, and then we'll move to another point. It, it might, you might struggle. You might not believe me when I say that changing diapers and spanking the children might be a meritorious act. But think of it this way. When you have war, every effort of war is necessary. You have the people that are typing the letters to the mothers. You have the people that are bringing the, the weapons. You have the people that are carrying the food. You have the people that are making the food. Every single effort of those is necessary. And here goes the difference between the mother and the priesthood, right? I mean, you have certainly some soldiers that you need, you have more priority over them. You know, you need them to be doing their job. That's kind of the case with the priest. His job is much more necessary in a certain way. But they're all necessary. And just like in war, you can't say, well, we're not going to have people making food. Or we're not going to have people, you know, bringing guns, because I need to focus on the soldiers. Every effort is necessary. And that applies for the motherhood. Everything that you do in your life as a mother, you have to do it, because otherwise you would not be able to survive with your children, right? The, the making the beds, all that stuff is stuff that is necessary, and that's why, because it is all necessary to bring them to heaven, that's why all of those actions are meritorious. So, to go to another point, one difficulty that I have here, I must mention, I, do, I, I don't want to be pitied, but I do want to uh, share with you my, my sorrow. It's hard to prepare the talks for Christian mothers. I think it is. And, and here's what is harder for me. The, you either make the talk for mothers with babies or for mothers with teenagers or for mothers, you know, who are no longer taking care of children. There are so many different aspects to it. And that's, that's what I struggle with because there is, uh, when you read some of the books of the priests, 
from the past, they're very general. Nothing wrong with that. You know, priests are usually very philosophical and theological minded. So they always go to the principles. But something that I struggle with is I, I really want to get to to basic stuff, you know, like how do you do this? You know, I've, tra I've traveled and met a lot of families and sometimes you meet people and, and you wish you could tell them, no, punish them, you know, or do this or do that, like little things that, that you wish there was a book or a video or something telling you the details of what you're supposed to do. And I was reading a priest, <laughs> I was reading a priest yesterday, I was reading a book and, and he says specifically, I'm not gonna go into any of those things. I'm like, well, what's the point then? But, you know, his point is, is we have to say the principles. I think that's okay. We need those books that give us the principles. We also need to go down into details. But so, for example, today, I've been talking about the mothers that are raising children. I want to address what happens afterwards. What happens when I'm not raising children anymore? And this is something very beautiful to consider, is what I said also I was going to cover more in detail. When you are in a vocation, whatever vocation it might be, God is leading you to perfection in that vocation, in every single one of them. If you're single, if you're married, if you're a priest, if you're a sister, every act, every step of the way is supposed to lead you to perfection. Now, there are two things you can do. You either take it and, and go with it and actually grow up in perfection, or you miss the boat, and then further ahead you realize, oh, I should have done this. Don't feel bad if that's the case, because I think everybody feels like that. I can tell you for myself, when I was studying for the seminary, for the priesthood, this is something I should not want to have in video, but it's too late now. Um, when you're in the seminary, you're always thinking, I'm going to have so much virtue, and I'm going to be so much better when I get to the priesthood, and you're expecting, and the church is expecting from you, to have a certain degree of sanctity and perfection when you get up there. And it's, it can be terrifying, and I'm sure everybody, maybe not, maybe it's just me, but at least myself, it was terrifying to get to the step where I'm one step away from the priesthood, and I look back and I realize, oh, I should have this by now. I should be incredibly patient by now. I should be incredibly... Uh, devout in my prayers by now. I should not get distracted anymore. All these things that you look back and you say, I had all that time to earn it and I haven't been able to make it yet. That can happen also as a mother. As a mother, it might happen also that I look back and I say, I should have gained all these virtues, but I haven't. That's where we need to make up right now. Where I'm going at with this is that in your office as a mother, all those toils and works and labors, all the patience that you have to exercise with your children, you know, when you're wanting one moment of peace and you're hearing, and you're like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. And you close the door and you're hoping that you'll be able to take a nap. But as soon as you get out, you hear, all those acts of virtue are training you to become saint, to become holy. And when the children are left of the house, God takes you to a different step, which is easier to take if all this stuff back here was done. If, this, if, you, lack, if you were lacking in this stuff back here, you will realize there is maybe a, harder, a little bit of a, a harder hill to climb. But still, at that moment, God is leading you to a different step in your motherhood. From being a mother, you could say, of the active life, like Martha, 
now bring, God brings you to being a mother in the contemplative life, like Mary. Contemplative life, that's what I meant to say. What I mean to say is when the children are left of the house, you as a mother have to take a more spiritual level. And that's where we come to what I was talking about last class. That's where we need to start going into meditation, into spiritual reading, into actually thinking of me as someone that has to become a saint and a holy person. And there is here, obviously the first reason that you already can see it is that you're praying for your children, but also that you become a role model at that moment. And you need a special assistance from the Holy Ghost. When you become a mother and your children become mothers and fathers, that's, you could say, when you become a matriarch. You, just, you are supposed to become a figure of wisdom, of holiness. Now here, a lot of the things that I would say in these talks, I don't want anyone to leave depressed because <laughs> sometimes you might hear it, you go, that's not what's happening at all. Uh, and, and, you know, I have to say the ideal. I have to say what it's supposed to be, so that we aim at that, right? As a priest, as I said, you know, as I was saying, as a priest, you might realize I'm lacking on a lot of things. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go back and say, well, this is what I'm supposed to be. No, I still have to see my goal out there so that I know where I'm aiming at because I, that's where I need to struggle to. As a mother, you know, I could tell you stuff that will make you feel, you know, uh, nice and cozy. But I better give you the ideal, so that you know, okay, that's where I'm supposed to aim, and that's where my children are supposed to aim to. In an ideal society, the mother becomes this figure of wisdom, of holiness, of modesty, of moderation, of prudence, of uh, temperance, of patience, all those things where you go to the house of your grandma, and your grandma is a figure of respect. And as a mother, you go and you ask her, Mom, what did you do with this? How did you handle this? And the words that your grandma would give you are words of wisdom, you know, words of experience. Now, you might feel sometimes like, well, I don't have that wisdom or experience. You do. You do, but you have to use it always with the concept that we're trying to instill today, that you are, uh, you, you have a sacred office. You are a representative of God. Now, I was saying, I want to make the, the talk as short as possible, but I'm not sure how long we have been. One important thing of this, and where I, I went to descend to the practical, I was just talking about all those priests that tell us all those general things, but they never go to the practical stuff, right? So I do want to go into the practical stuff of it. What am I, what am I trying to get from you today? What is our goal when we leave this, this conversation? What do we want to do? What we want to get is this, to put well engraved in my mind and in the minds of my children and of the husband as well, if possible. You know, that's not up to us to tell him, but, you know, you can tell them, hey, listen to that talk. Uh, to engrave in our minds that you as a mother are a representative of God, and therefore your office is sacred. It's very important to see yourself like that. And again, notice, I am not saying compared to the priest, like you are kind of a representative of God, or, you know, a figure of a representative of God. No, the priest is a representative of God for his parish, for his people. 
you are a representative of God for your family. The same authority, in, in a certain way, the same authority, or rather the same source of authority that comes through the priest is the same source of authority that comes through you. And so, for example, you should see yourself and you should have everyone in your family see you as a sacred person to whom is due honor and respect and veneration. Don't ask this of your husband. <laughs> Again, that's, that's not your role. But of your children, you want to instill this. It's also instilled on your husband as well. You know, I mean, your children are supposed to treat you and your husband as representatives of God. And that what that means, for example, in a very practical way is that children don't make fun of the mother, ever. That does not exist. If a child makes fun of the mother, it's like you do not make fun of your mother. Children and mother are not in the same plane. We'll go into that into more detail. But the mother is someone you cannot make fun of, you cannot disrespect. You're not in the same plane as someone you honor, just like you would the priest. If your child comes and reaches to the priest and he makes a joke to the priest or makes fun of him, you know, if I'll say it, but if one of the children come and say, Father, Cepeda has big ears, you'll immediately slap him, right? The same thing should apply to the mother. There's no way the child can make fun of her or be disrespectful to her, or anything like that. She is a representative of God. And so you should have your child treat you as you would want them to treat the priest, with a certain distance, obviously. You're right with the proper distance. Now here, there is something that, that we'll struggle with. For the past generations, to do this was very easy because it's something that would pass to you, you know, from your mother and their grandmother. You know, when, for example, I was telling you, when I grew older, when I grew up, I had that. So to me, to apply that in a family would be fairly easy. I had that to a certain extent, not as much as I should. But when you have that in your family, it's very easy to apply it because it's something that you are grown with, right? For example, I'll give you an example. Let's say that if someone in your house kicked a cat... Everybody knows that's a horrible thing to do, and so everybody goes against Don't do that, right? And because of that, because you know that, when you have your family, you do the same thing. Back in the day, because that's how we grew older, you simply knew that you don't, tr you don't treat mom like that, you don't treat dad like that, all those things, and then you just passed it on. The problem is that in the 60s, we had that break in the generational gap. In the 60s and in the Second World War, we had that break in the generational gap where we said to children, to young people, don't do any more what they did in your family. And from that moment on, we lost it. And for you, especially for young mothers, and you know, the older mothers also, you can realize why it happened if it happened to me. It was very difficult for us because we never saw it. No one ever told us about it. We've never heard of these things before, perhaps. And so it's kind of a more uphill battle because it's something that you don't have in you, so you actually have to figure it out. You actually have to sit down and think, okay, what do I need to change if this is how it's supposed to be? Well, I need to change how we're supposed to have dinner, how uh, they answer to me, uh, how we play together games, all that kind of stuff. So we, it's something that requires an extra effort, and that's part of the reason why we're doing these things. Now, what can you do in a practical manner 
to finish the talk, the conversation. Any questions so far or comments? No? Okay. Okay, are you gonna come to the next meeting? <laughs> <laughs> just talk, just kidding. Uh, some practical things that we can do. This is one that I always insist on and you're gonna get sick of it and I will keep insisting on it because it's very useful. Teach the children to ask for your blessing and for the blessing of their dad. Obviously, you have to get together with your husband. You know, you both have to, to be on the same page. But teach them to, to ask for the blessing, and you give them a blessing. This is one of those things that, as I, I'm saying, you know, if they're adults, there's no way that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe you can. That would be great if you can. But if you have toddlers, you know, little children, it's still a good time to do that. Teach them to ask for your blessing, and you give them a blessing. When? Every time before they go to bed, every time before uh, the husband leaves the house, you know, ask your dad for, for a blessing before he goes. Or before, when they're older, before they leave the house. You know, if you're going to go to work or something or overseas, whatever it might be, ask your dad for a blessing. To this day, I ask my parents for a blessing. Being a priest. And you give them a blessing, the first time you give them the blessing is going to be weird to you. Just like for the priest, you know, the first day that you're a priest and you're giving a blessing, is kind of like, you remember who you are, right? I mean, what are you doing here? But you have to see, to see, okay, this person here is just an object. You know, I'm just an instrument and the blessing is coming from God and I'm merely the telephone. And the same as a parent, believe in your sacred role, believe in your sacred office. And when you give a blessing to your child, know with full certainty, and I assure you of this, know that if you bless your children, that is a blessing that is giving, being given by God, and they will be blessed. And I can tell you that. I was blessed by my parents. And if you deny that blessing, that means that God is denying the blessing. As I said, it's incredible to what extent you have power from God. In the Bible, it says, St. Paul says, the fourth commandment is the only one that has a promise for this earth. The only one. All the other ones, the promise is, you know, for afterlife. The fourth commandment, to honor your father and your mother, is the only commandment that God said, if you honor your father and your mother, it will be good for you on this life. You will do well in this life. I have never found anyone, maybe there is one, some person that God wants to make a saint. I've never found anyone who honored his father and his mother and who has a miserable life. Again, as I said, if they do, it's because they're becoming saints. But that is a certain thing. When you bless your child, that blessing comes from God, and they should understand that. They should be taught that, that my blessing as a, as a father or a mother over you is something that God is giving you. God is going to bless you. So that's one practice that we can do. The other thing that is interesting and that we can do is Try not to make yourself part of the group. This is a very hard one because you're going to have to kind of figure your way out or your way through it. But as a parent, especially as a mother, there is a temptation of becoming friends with my children. And you should be, but not in the same role. So if I have teenage children or daughters or sons, I cannot go in there at the same level, as stupid at the same level. They have to always see me as an authority. I'll give you an example to explain my point. Me as a priest, I can go out and have dinner with one of you, 
I can spend time with you, you know, here in the, in the padlock. But I cannot go down to the same level in everything. If I go, for example, uh, this is my personal opinion. If I go to a meeting where there's a lot of guys and, and, and persons and, you know, I'll give you an example. The weddings recently, I, I, I felt like I wanted to go to the parties. I didn't go because I know myself. I'm, I'm, I don't want to put myself on a level where I'm having to listen to music, where people are dancing around and I'm standing there. I'm not on the same level. I have to keep myself on a different level. I have to, and that's why I don't go. As a mother, you, are, you have a certain perspective like that. If you, go in a, on a, you, if you go and play with your children, and you're playing, even in the play, even in the game, they have to be respectful to their mother, they have to obey their mother, they have to keep seeing you as an authority. Any questions regarding that? Yes. That's a very good question. They, they ask, uh, once the children are gone, does that still apply at that distance? It certainly gets reduced. That is very true, and that's a good point to be made. Uh, once the children are grown, especially when they're adults, there becomes much more of a friendship relationship, for sure. And that's okay. Uh, the only thing is there still needs to be respect and honor. That's the one thing, right? You still don't want them to be making fun of you and that kind of stuff. But now it's, it's not the same in, in the sense that it's understood as adults, usually you have certain level of civility and you don't want to correct that. You know, it's going to be really hard to, to try to amend that. If it went still before, it's going to come up with them. If they don't have it right now, it's better to just try to keep a, a friendly relationship and, uh, and bring them to goodness, you know, as much as we can. So, but, but that's a good point. Once, once they're adults, there is a certain relationship still of, of a friendship but you always want to keep the honor, the honor and respect as much as possible. Okay. This is another, oh boy. I hope I'm not going too deep or too difficult with this conversation, but another good point is this. Exactly, you know, I'm making a lot of parallels with the priest, and that goes to show that this is, again, a sacred office. I, as a priest, I have to feed my mind with good things. I have to read good books. I have to be thinking of religion all the time so that I can pour that onto others. They always say in the spiritual life, uh, you're a fountain, but not a fountain that pours water itself. You're kind of like a container, right? Like those big, you know, vases that they have. And from the container overflowing, water flows down. But you don't have water yourself. You have to get it as a priest. What that means is that I have to fill myself up so that I'm able to pour upon others. If I empty, then I'm going to be pouring nothing. I'm not going to be able to talk about spiritual things. I'm not going to be able to share with you the stuff from God. I won't feel them. I won't have them in me, so I won't be able to give them to others. The same thing exactly applies to a mother. Especially as you grow older, as I was saying, the mothers that go to that more spiritual level, you have to fill yourself with good things, with good books, with prayer, with devotion, with wisdom, with spiritual life, so that you're able to pour it on others. And if if you're not full, then you won't have anything to give. What does that mean in a practical level? That means that every time that you look at YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, one of the other, another one of those things that you will hear me insist over and over again, every time that you do those things, the water is going low. 
You're feeling something else, but not water. <coughs> and what that means is that what's going to be overflowing from you is Facebook, Twitter, so forth and so forth. So for those mothers particularly that are on that spiritual level where you're supposed to pray, to pray and become holy for your children, <coughs> it is much more important to fill yourself with good things. This must be a sign from God that I'm, I must stop now. There's uh, three more points and then I'll be done. The husband should instill this on his, towards his wife and the wife towards the husband. What does that mean? In, again, in an ideal setting, it's not always going to be like that, but in an ideal setting, the husband should protect the authority of the wife and the wife that of the husband. I remember vividly, as I was saying, if we said something to my mother that was out of place, it was my dad that corrected me, not my mother, and vice versa. My mother would say, go and ask the blessing of your father. Go and tell your father that you're sorry. And I remember one time, I remember one time, I said something to my mother <coughs> that was out of place. And my dad corrected me, big time. It, even if it's like a very sudden rubbing of the mouth, uh, very sudden and very quick rubbing of the mouth, that happens sometimes, but you remember it and you never do it again. And so what's very important is, I'm not saying do that, but what I'm saying is very important that if you can, if it's something that works with both, that the father defends the mother and the mother defends the father to such an extent that if the child says something, the mother just looks at the dad and he goes like, okay, well, you don't talk like that to your mother. Okay, the last two things, and, and it's basically what I've mentioned before. Believe in yourself as a representative of God. Act like that. And because, because you are in that position, that requires holiness. Just, again, just like me as the priest, I'm in a very high position. If I don't have holiness, it's going to show, and I'm also going to lose. I, I can actually lose my soul. As a mother, you're in a very high position, and if you don't have holiness, it's going to show, and it's also going to make, uh, make you risk your soul. So because of that highness of your position, because you're a representative of God, it is required of you that you actually strive for perfection. And finally, live to that moral standard. You know, if you believe in that, if you believe in yourself as a representative of God, then you have to live to that moral standard. I'll finish the talk just by saying this, that Again, as I say, many of these things are the goal. You're not required to reach exactly that because life is imperfect and especially nowadays it's very difficult. What God is asking of you is not to get to that and be that perfect mother of a picture, you know, like uh, the ones that they put on, on the pictures of the saints or whatever. What God is requiring is that you keep walking towards that goal and then God will take care of the rest. But at least keep that goal in mind so that you walk towards that. Any questions? Yes. So you just tell them, uh, okay, come and ask for, your, for a blessing. And uh, Well, first you have to explain them why you're doing that now. And you say, well, Father Cepeda said this and that. And they'll be like, what? Uh, and then you tell them, listen, uh, the teenagers will be harder maybe, but... They just come and you say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.
may the Lord bless you, or whatever you want. It's, it's actually up to you. You can say the sign of the cross and say whatever else. Uh, but for example, my parents would give me the Franciscan blessing, which is, uh, may the Lord bless you and show you his face. May the Lord have mercy on you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there, there are beautiful blessings like that. But, you know, if nothing else, just this, the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we would, we would kiss the hand of my parents. They would have us kiss their hands. When they're children, as I say, this is easier. There was another question. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, this is very fitting then. Yes. One of the questions was, how do you give blessings to your children? And the other comment was that today on the fifth Saturday after Easter, the liturgical year has a very beautiful explanation of marriage. Well, if there are no more questions, we'll end. Yes. If if they don't ask you, you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it, that, that also works, I guess. Um, the important thing is to do it, I think. Uh, and I think the, the big one is probably with the, when, when they're children and you're able to do it, uh, I think that is more significant because it's kind of more obvious what it is that you're doing. But the important thing is that they have that concept, and that's where I'm saying it's important for them for, to teach them to ask for it, to teach them to go and ask for a blessing. Because, and this on a daily basis. You want to train your children to go and say, can I have your blessing, Dad? And see that as a treasure to understand when my dad blesses me, good things happen to me, so I better go and ask for a blessing. Okay, I was going to finish, but you guys didn't let me. <laughs> the, no, just kidding. The, my parents, for example, would teach us when we had our first job to go and ask for a blessing of, of the money. And so we would go and give to my parents. I, so, for example, my first job, my first salary, I would go and give that to my parents, to my father. And then my dad would bless it to me. He would say, may the Lord bless you so that you prosper or whatever. And so that means that God's going to bless me in my job, which he has. And uh, my dad would give me the money back. You know, they wouldn't keep it. But it's just kind of like the concept of offering. And, and that idea is just engraved in your head that every time that I ask my parents for a blessing, good things happen to me because God's going to bless me. And it is true. I really dare you to put it in practice. It is very true. If you're doing it conscientiously, you know, if you actually give them the blessing when they deserve it, and if they don't deserve it, they don't get the blessing. And that is pretty hard. I remember that too. Okay? So any more questions? No? Okay. We'll end up with a prayer, okay?
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Jesus, eternal word of the Father, you have said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. We thank you for allowing us to listen once more to the words of spiritual instruction. Assist us by your grace carefully to preserve them and devoutly to live according to their holy teaching, that we may thus become pleasing to you in this world and enjoy you eternally in the next, who with the Father and the Holy Ghost live and reign one God, world without end. Amen. Our daily prayer, O Mary, Immaculate Virgin and Sorrowful Mother, intercede for our children with the divine heart of Jesus, thy Son, who refuses nothing to his mother. Holy guardian angels, pray for them. Saint Joachim, pray for them. Saint John, much beloved precursor of our Lord, pray for them. Saint Joseph, powerful patron, pray for them. Saint Augustine, pray for them. Saint Anne, mother of the Blessed Virgin, pray for them. Saint Rose of Lima, pray for them. Saint Monica, pray for them. All you holy fathers and mothers, pray for them and for us. All you holy children, pray for them and for us. Amen. O God, who has given us some of the blessed in heaven as special patrons, grant in your mercy that we and our children, through the merits of the same and all of your saints, may receive the help of which we stand in need and practice the virtues taught us by their example. May we, O Lord, through the honor we pay them, become worthy of your good pleasure and share in their powerful intercession. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.